Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Eddie Gonzalez, and you're listening to Keeping It G, where we'll talk about sports, current events, and sometimes just random shit. Hope you enjoy. Do you have money that's just sitting around and you don't know what to do with it? Well, look no further. I have the solution for you. You can donate it to the Keeping It G podcast. That's right. Just go ahead and go to the link in my bio on Instagram or Twitter, and it'll pop up. I appreciate the support. Thank you. Welcome back, guys, to the Keeping It G podcast. This is the eighth episode. Uh, Obviously, we're not starting off, you know, funny like we usually do. This is a more serious podcast. We're going to be getting into it. You know, current events, I said we'd be talking about that stuff. Um, But I don't know shit about anything that's going on right now. I do, but not enough to, like, tell you. I know a lot of people get their information from shit like this, so... I'm not going to be the one to give you all the information of what's going on or, you know, my views. Um, I'm actually joined via FaceTime audio by one of my longtime friends. Uh, I've known him for like 14 years. He's like a brother from another mother. He's attending West Point. He's a cadet over there. Um, so he knows his shit. He, you know, he actually likes this stuff. He's a history major. Um, I'm joined by Nathaniel Rodriguez, future president of the United States of America. Speaking of presidents, um... I have CNN on my phone, like, and I get the updates, like, the notifications just to, like, you know, make it seem like I know what the fuck's going on. So, I think it's, like, Nancy Pelosi, that's her name, right? You want to go ahead and explain what the fuck that, what that was? Like, yeah, so Nancy Pelosi, if you guys don't know, is the current Speaker of the House. Um, she, uh, she, you know, um, she's very, very, very much on the, on, the, on the liberal side of things. She's never been a big fan of President Trump, and... She it is, always seems like there is always some sort of urge to kind of remove him from office. I mean, uh, the twenty sixteen election kind of threw off the the precedent on when it when it came comes to elections. You know, this candidate who believed no had no one who believed he had a shot. You know, they said he's you know he's a moron. He's running. It was kind of just like a joke. But um, he appealed to a populace that were tired of the basic you know, cyclic cycle of politics, you know, the same old promises and then not coming through and just the, the polarization of politics uh, has really taken off in the, in the, in the more recent 21st century with, uh, with America. So um, when the Democrats retook, uh, retook the House and we had the majority, Nancy Pelosi kind of um, reestablished herself as like one of the, if not if one of the main if not the main person of the political party. She is the face of of the Democratic Party, and she uses her position to kind of advocate, um, you know, advocate for her. I would say her her consent her constituents and her all her other politicians um, and Democratic members. You know they're. Uh, their beliefs. Um, I think she tends to uh, kind of guide the party in their direction, and then all the other people follow suit. Um, so as for what's going on right now, um, it was just just breaking thing um, that she's announced formal uh, impeachment inquiry against Trump uh, based on the evidence that he, oh, he's withholding a whistleblower's complaint that he um, was using or contacted the Ukrainian president about Joe Biden them, right like that's, right yeah. and asked them to find some like dirt on Joe, Joe Biden uh, for political gain and my initial things of this was I think I what I personally believe I think the Democrats are trying to do anything they can to 
remove President Trump from office. Well, she's, she's, that's what, what it means, like the impeachment inquiry. It means they're trying to get him impeached, right? Like that, that's what it means? Okay. Right. And so that doesn't necessarily mean removed from office. Right. So when, when the, like at the same case of, of President Clinton, he was impeached by Congress, but he was not removed. Um, what you would need is the Democrats do have the majority in, in the House. So is it possible they get an impeachment? Yes. But the GOP still controls the Senate, and they would need a two-thirds majority to remove the pre- an acting president, which is, is part of his own party, which is, is almost 100% not, not going to happen. Um, unless there was some major infraction where the, the GOP or the senators would feel as if their constituents would negatively you know, receive like, their inaction or their, their non-removal of, of the president. Um, but I highly doubt that he'll be removed from office. Um, this is, I think, what's the I think the Democratic Party is trying to you know reestablish his base, uh, and as opposed to showing that hey I'm able to, I'm, I want to take on the president and everyone's kind of following suit. So, do I believe the president should be investigated? If these if these allegations are true, I, I, I it's going back and forth on what's what's true or not, what is said, what's not said, and you know I don't believe any president is above the law. Um, in any regard, do they have the executive privilege? Yes, of course. Do they have some things of national security that they can't indulge? Yes. But it matters when it comes to elections, it's always wishy-washy. You look at Watergate um, with President Nixon, and um, he you know, he planted these listening devices in the Democratic uh, National Committee's headquarters, which went contrary to to you know, the president should be you know, not using his position of power in order to influence the, um, the election or things of that you know it should be almost impartial yes he should campaign you know keep you know try to win over the people or keep them in his base but you know they shouldn't be going outside the law to do these activities and if the president you know somehow um you know it, it's determined not just by politicians but by lawyers that this was a deed outside the law then yes a hundred percent he should be he should be held accountable for his actions uh, why, why the Ukraine though? Why did he go to the Ukraine and like ask whatever he did with? I, I know it had something to do with Joe Biden, and um, obviously Joe Biden he tweeted out some uh, like a video of him basically you know saying Trump ain't shit basically. And um, why 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 the Ukraine? Is there like a specific reason, or is it just? Yeah. So um, there was a, a natural gas um, a firm. Uh, I think it was Burisma Holdings and uh, Hunter Biden, uh, which was a son. It was the son of Joe Biden. Okay. He um, he was on the board um, that was that was part of that in Ukraine that had made, uh, investments in Ukraine, um, and he uh, he President Biden, you uh, it, it said that he used his position to successfully fire the top prosecutor that was looking into um, the natural gas room which his son was sitting. So, it would make sense that if the president, if there was any dirt there, that's where it would be. So, this is where it's kind of the whole focus on Ukraine. Um, it could also be that you know we are helping Ukraine. Um, How are we helping them? For those who indir- don't know, like- um, indirectly we are you know supporting the Ukrainian Ukrainian military. Um, it's not you know we don't have troops on the ground, so to speak. But we have been advised the situation. There's been um, some of my instructors here have gone to the Ukrainian border uh, with Russia, evaluating the situation, learning the tactics, 
um, trying to prepare for that near peer competition, which is supposed to kick off. Um, it's no longer going to be this uh, belief of, you know, counter uh, counterinsurgency, which the U.S. has been fighting since 2001. The United States is now shifting more towards a near peer um, adversary, near peer army, and we're restructuring our forces to deal with that threat. So Ukraine's kind of a like a, a testing ground for a lot of things, and um, we we do give them a lot of aid. We give them a lot of uh, money, and they've also expressed interest in joining NATO. The only problem with that is, um, based on NATO's like legal qualifications, is they cannot have contested borders, and since they're fighting a, a quasi war against these separatists, which are propped by Russia. Um, they'll never be able to be a part of that. And Putin knows that. He's, he exploited that. And if you see with the 2014 Crimean crisis, NATO didn't do anything. So he's, he's still playing this long-term game. So a lot of it's revolving. There's a lot of politics that go into it. There's a lot of economics that go into it. And there's a lot of military stuff that goes into it. And um, Ukraine just seems to not be able to have a break in any of it. How, how many countries, like, are we actually, I mean, obviously you won't know either, like, the true number, but how many countries are we actually helping out that a lot of people, like, the average citizen, like me, don't really know? Like, I, I didn't know that we were helping Ukraine indirectly like that. Um, obviously, a lot has to do with the media and what they tell us, and, you know, sometimes they'll tell us something else to distract us from, you know, what's going on over here. Um, it's that whole idea of, like, looking at this hand while I hit you with this hand, you know, it's like that. So, like... With your knowledge and everything that you know, obviously this is your like you know, your specialty and whatever. How many countries do you think like we're actually helping, or that well, you know? I don't have a, def- a definitive number, but we are definitely um, we still have a huge footprint all over the world. We have multiple rotations of uh, brigade combat teams going to Africa um, to flush out Boko Haram and ISIS. Um, this a lot of a lot of it is um, you know training advice. Uh, missions with uh, propping up the local militaries of, of certain states or where we believe um, these terrorist organizations could still flourish or where the local governance is weak. Um, so we have been doing that. We have a lot of special forces all over the world uh, training up these these um, these uh, either militia groups or other groups that can help counter the, the terrorism threat because we don't want another, you know, another um, Afghanistan, Iraq where these uh, these terrorist organizations a lot of foster. They have a home base of operations. Um, it's really about um, and then especially we've also increased our footprint in um, in the Pacific. We're partnering with you know Indonesia. We're partnering with Japan. We're partnering. Well, we're still partnering with Japan. Where you know where it's helping out f- um, you know Thailand, the Philippines especially flush out. Um, uh, ISIS just uh, rolled in there. Uh, what are they like affiliate groups? So terrorism has hasn't gone away, and we're trying to build our relationships with these militaries. Um, you know, uh, especially with through arms sales or through trainings, um, combined trainings. Uh, these newer allies that we you know are, aren't traditional like our NATO allies. Um, so we are, we're definitely all over the world still. Um, I don't see the United States footprint being reduced anytime soon. Um, there was this talk of this return to um, basically the homeland, you know, having this restraint strategy um, because, you know, these, they, a lot of people feel that the U.S. has overextended itself. There's a lot of problems here on, on the home front that need to be addressed before helping out, you know, this random country yeah, deal I, with this issue. I was just about to ask you, that. how do you feel about people say that, you know, the U.S. likes to deal with terrorists in other countries but not the terrorists that are here in our own country? Like what? what is – obviously there's a lot of things going on in the U.S., you know, 
Um, I think white supremacy was just declared like, you know, terroristic, whatever. Um, but things like that, I mean, we're going off to other countries and helping them get their shit together. But I mean, the U.S. needs to get their shit together. And like, you know, the fact that we're helping out and so much, I mean, it's great. It just we're trying to still be like, you know, I guess the big brother to all these countries or whatever. But we we got our own shit to figure out, you know. Right, exactly. And that's, and that's the argument. There's, you know, it's really hard, the the different aspects that go into, you know, formulating on what's the right position, what what is our grand strategy, what are, what are we, what are, how is our outlook in the world, how is our outlook in, in the home front, and, um, you know, we do, uh, you have seen, there is a rise in tensions, uh, racial tensions between um, these neoconservative or uh, neo, uh, these um, like populist type, um, you know, white supremacist. Um, you know, every foreigner is bad, but um, that's that's not a that's not a, it's never been a, a, a new thing in America. If you look back um, from the f- formation of, of even race, because race is more more or less a modern invention in the sense that um, you know you can even trace it back to even Columbus um, the uh, and the, the beginning of the slave trade. There was no, I'm white, you're black. There was no set definition of this. And a lot of it had to do with, um, a lot had to do with economics initially. Um, if you look at the slave trade, um, especially to the colonies, um, I think it was 1619 was the first slaves that were brought over um, from, from uh, the, through the Middle Passage. And they served alongside indentured servants, which were poor whites that had come from Europe. So there was no like, hey, um, you know, you're white on black. These people were working together. They were having children together and they were doing this. And this was problematic to the English identity. This English identity of, you know, we're Anglo, we're Anglican, you know, we're very, um, you know, we're very religious. We, we believe we're, we're proper. We have the, the right things for civilization. This is what civilization is. And when you, can, when you got the natives, you have all these different groups happening it became problematic and they said, okay, well, we can't, you know, our initial goal is to convert all these people and show them the ways of civilization, kind of like the white man, white man's burden in the late 1800s. Um, but then once they started becoming involved in, in these, in, in the, the Anglo culture, it proved problematic because, you know, they weren't, it, they, they didn't fall into the exact thing. Like, you know, the, the what, what is supposed to be, um, how, how do I explain this? They they didn't fall to like immediately. They weren't the same as Anglo's. It wasn't. It it, it kind of it, it diluted like, their culture. Yeah, it wasn't like they were supposed to be. Like it wasn't that perfect right. image. Like yeah. exactly, and it diluted their culture. And they say, well, this is problematic now because we were trying to convert y'all, but then we realized this this is bad for our own culture. So then, when, once once that occurs, and then you have. So you have the slaves and and indentured servants start being start being um, kind of they the slaves become more profitable in the, in the long run because indentured servants um, you know don't really have the skills that slaves had that they were brought over for Africa things like that but you see you see the, I think a big twist in Bacon's Rebellion um, in seventeen uh, and in sixteen seventy six I believe um, this is where you had indentured servants alongside slaves trying to overthrow the the gentry or the, the landowners and these people realize this can never happen again um, these landowners they say we can't have these two groups working together so what do they do they establish this precedent of race 
and they say, hey, you know, you're white, I'm white. If I give you political freedoms, you know, once you're in a dentist, once you're done being in dentist service, which is only seven years, right? Once you're done and you have all these political freedoms, you can use that agency to, you know, to um, do whatever you want to do. And that placed them with both slaves because slaves didn't have that. Right. So now since they have the political agency, they start identifying, well, like, okay, now how do we identify? Because the Anglos still believe themselves up here. But once you see immigration of, um, uh, of, later, of later groups, the, the Italians, the Germans, the Irish in, in, from the 1700s onto the 1800s, um, it, they're all white looking. But they're not on equal terms of this English identity. So how do we kind of group these people together? Because they're not black. They're not. They don't. You know. They're not. They're not slaves. So how do we incorporate them into our society? And this idea of whiteness comes into play. So then now you have these different groups of people. Um, you know, the Irish. The these. Um, they're trying to, in in a sense, prove their whiteness. You know, by going against uh, by showing discrimination against blacks. By showing discrimination against. Uh, Mexicans, all these, other, all these other groups, other, yeah, you know, the, the ones that aren't that are, white, basically. Yes, that aren't white, but they're not black either. So they, they're, they're kind of caught in between two cultures. And as you see, manifest destiny and this, the spreading westward, it becomes even more problematic because they don't fit into this original caste system that was created in America, a social caste system. And with the, you know, with the, the Civil War and the and Reconstruction, all this, it become all these all these different all these different problems uh, approach on how to incorporate different types of people in in American society you know this is American identity what is an American identity and when you see when you see you start seeing the reconstruction it on it's yeah we have the passage of 13 14 and 15th amendment which you know I think are substantial but in in practice they weren't really enforced and when you have the compromise of 1870 of 1877 when federal troops are pulled back, back um, from the south, you see the impl- uh, automatic implementation of, of black codes and all these literacy tests and all these things that prevented newly freed slaves from using their full citizenship or being active members of, of, the, of the political process or the economic process in America, even though they were still equal. You know, it was, and in the terms they didn't have the equity as everyone else did. And so these these constant ideas of identity and race and all, all all this continues to play out and it stems from this original you know where do where does it start where do we have these distinctions between people a lot of it is economics but there's social there's social implications there's political implications um, and there's multiple cases as, as more and more land is conquered um, as we expand westward that um, that that show this 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 problem of identity and things so. Um, and then and now it's just another rise of you know the the same arguments that you're hearing historically. You know, the, uh, people take jobs, you know, they're criminals. Or and once we've identified that, you know, we feel less sympathetic to go help those people. Like, hey, if they say these people are criminals, or these people, you know, are terrorists, you know, we're in general people are less inclined to support that group or wish for their well-being. So we try looking for a common common enemy or common force to go against and you know this rise of especially as we see demographics starting to shift you know 2050 2060 you're going to start seeing whites become a minority in america right. doesn't mean there won't be areas that are homogeneously you know you white know, or, white communities yeah. but 
you know, what does that mean for the political process? What does this mean for the social implications? So, so you could say even, I mean, based off of all, all that you said, I mean, this is a problem that's probably never, that we're always going to deal with in a way, in a sense. And it's just going to be maybe not the same issues, but there's always that underlying problem of race is just always going to be there. No matter what we do, no matter what, you know, new, like the back in the day that you said they added the amendments, all this, or no matter what changes are made to this country, the, the the problem of race is always going to be there because it's been there for so long, right? Like, I mean, it's essentially um, yes, but there, like, it's it's a matter of not because you have this problem of okay, now I self-identify as something, right? It's it's hard to remove yourself from my that identity, and you know, like if you're saying like, hey, I'm, I'm Mexican American, well, I'm Hispanic or whatever, and this is how I identify. If people continue to identify as that, they're proud of identifying as that. Yes, you're always going to have this constant like well I'm this you're that and there's always going to be that distinction between individuals not hey I'm a human being you're a human being it's more like what do I identify what are my values and there you know that's not to say that's right or wrong um, but yes there will be there will always, it's not just about race it's about all these other things that are associated with it you know economics these stereotypes that are attributed to people these um, these prejudices that are held through generations you know mm-hmm. so yes will it always potentially be a problem you know, I, I, I can't say it, it'll be inevitable that it'll change or it won't change. Right. But there there can be substantial progress that can be made, which is, you know, we try to do. And, and that's I think that's the end goal for everybody working together is trying to make it as equitable as possible um, for for everybody to, uh, to feel as if they're active participants and they have the same agency as others. But that won't be solved for the for anytime soon there's no and there's no one solution it, it's just trying to implement the things that'll you know acknowledging that there's been faults mm-hmm. accepting accepting history for what it is and a lot of people I think try to shy away from history and say oh well you know this group had it this way or this group had it worse and, and that's not the end point that's not the goal it's not who had it worse or put it better who deserves more it's a matter of like there were extreme faults and there they, they were caused because of these issues. You know, how do we mitigate those now and how do we accept history for what it was and try to, you know, move forward and learn from that? Yeah, spoken like a true president. It's real nice. Uh, I mean, obviously, for those, for those of you who like obviously don't really keep up with politics on all of this stuff is just going over your head. I mean, it's fine. But a lot of stuff we're saying, I mean, if you just really think about it, it's kind of it's easy to think about. You don't really need to know much. You just got to have you just got to be a little little smart, a little common sense and just realize that what we're saying, it's nothing, nothing too big. We're not using, you know, terms or anything like that. So you can keep keeping up. I respect it. Um, this is this podcast will be special because when this guy is president in like 2040 or whatever, this will be come back and all the things he said, hopefully, you know, he remains the same. Um, who knows? I don't know. Who knows if the Earth will even be, you know, still the Earth, 2040, climate change and all that shit, whatever. Um, but, damn, that was, my brain hurts from thinking that much, man. Like, <laughs> just keeping up. But uh, as far as, I don't know, just the, the fact that there's so many things wrong with, I don't want to say wrong, but there's just so, I don't know who, I, I was talking to, I forgot who I was talking to the other day, but they were saying that it was it was an older person like in their 50s 60s and you know they came up with oh like the world hasn't the uh, the u.s hasn't been this fucked up like ever like 
and there's just so much shit going on like now and i told him i was like well i i don't know i, I wasn't obviously wasn't born back in the you know 60s 70s 80s you know even 90s so i don't know and quite frankly you don't know either because you know back in the 60s you didn't know what was going on you know halfway across the country and like now like I can Google, you know, what the fuck's going on in California or Google what's going on in New York and I can find out just instantly, you know? And I, I explained to him, like, the, the power of social media and, you know, how Trump uses it all the time. And now he can get his word out to literally people who don't even want to know about him. Like, if you're like, oh, I hate Trump, like, I don't ever want to, like, listen to him, blah, blah. But you'll still see his tweets sometimes or you'll see whatever. And the power of social media, especially with this president alone, it's just... I don't know. It's just made matters worse, honestly. I don't know. What, what do you want to say about that? Yeah, on, on the issue of that social media has made the the problems that we face today. It hasn't even. It's not that it made it worse. It's just shined the light brighter on all these problems that we have. Because everything is available to right, us. Right. There's no. There's no insulation. You're saying exactly. There, there wasn't. There wasn't distance. There wasn't time. There was. Um. It, you know. I think. I think in the social media doesn't have to be a good or bad thing. I think what, what what's problematic about it is that you're getting major media outlets pushing their own agendas and pushing their own, you know, their, their, their twists on things. Uh, you know, it's very hard to, to find sources that are impartial um, regardless. And that's in anything. That's because, you know, the author could have biases or, or it could be that the organization itself has biases. Um, I think we're... You know, it's kind of like a contradiction. I think kids nowadays are more foreign, but yet sometimes know less about the world. Even well, though they I, have I all think the power. because we, we, we live like in a, I don't know, like I don't want to sound all like we live in a society where, but like we really do where people just read headlines, you know, and that's where they get their news from. It's just headlines. Right. And the headlines, and headline, it, right. it doesn't really say what is really meant to be said, I guess. Right. And, and a that, lot of people like, you know, the, all these journalists and they do it on purpose because they know that we're not going to read the whole fucking article or read the whole you know story we're just going to read that headline and oh shit like that's crazy or whatever so i think right. it kind of it just goes hand in hand with it if you look at media where our, our attention spans have gone from you know reading books and finding out information to about 10 to 15 seconds if you don't catch my attention in 10 to 15 seconds i'm moving on to the next article and that's what the headline's supposed to do. It's supposed to draw you in, or it's if like you only bait. remember yeah, that, basically. yeah, clickbait. Exactly. Yeah. You only you only remember that that part. Like, oh, it could be President Trump did this, and you're like, oh, he did this. And if you look back in the article, it's like, did he really do that, or you know, what what's it, what what is it? But if you're only getting those 10, 15 seconds, it's already kind of, I guess, social engineering in a sense. Yeah. That, um, you you're, know, you're putting all your thoughts and all your you're basically forming your own opinion on it based off your past experiences based on what you've gone through based on what you've heard so you're basically filling in the rest of the story to make it make sense for yourself and to make it make sense if you ever talk about it with anyone else in a sense yes yeah. and what i also don't what was also problematic with social media is that facebook and all these instagram and all these other all these social media sites <laughs> my, they uh they, you know, kind of connect you with like-minded people and that allows for these echo chambers to um, just feed off the same, you know, if I say something you agree with it, now we're like, hey, both our ideas are right. And it always feels good when someone's agreeing with you. Right. You know, and who, whoever it is on the other side is wrong. And you're building these, these chambers where now we're thinking in this, this, this one world where we're not getting, you know, the input of others or we're not 
we're not allowing ourselves to be our ideas to be contested and I think that's very dangerous and and how social media does it because we don't we don't know that it's happening you know they're not like hey you Facebook threw you in a group with this you know the, yeah. these conservative Republicans it's like hey you've expressed these these buzzwords based on this thing or you were, you were post you reposted this article or you like this now I'm gonna feed this information your way but I mean it's crazy to, it's crazy that you bring that up too because I mean even you see that not just in social media but you see that even like on news channels and stuff like obviously everyone knows that you know cnn and fox news cnn is more you know against trump fox is more for trump you know and that's the way it's always been so if you get your news from cnn you're automatically already going to be kind of sided against him and if you get your news from fox news i'm not saying fox news obviously always agrees with him or whatever but right. you're more likely to be sided with him if you watch fox news so to see that even in like the media that we see you know that people watch every single day or that's playing in like dentist office and you know shit like that like why 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 do you think that is like why is there that divide like why not just have obviously i mean it can be the same way with race too i mean why not just have i don't want to say one race but you know view it that same way too like if the media just said the same thing on every single channel and let us form our own opinions on it based off of that like what, 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 what would that be so that would be that would that would be the end goal, right? Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, the thing is that doesn't bring in the dollar. Damn. In the end, in the end, media is a business. Yeah, the it's, money makes the world go around. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's meant to bring in viewers and to get those advertising res, uh, uh, revenues. And if they're not saying things that draw people in, then they're not getting those viewers and they're not getting that revenue. And in the end, that's that's literally the that you know that, that's what we got to remember first that. Yes, media serves other purposes, like getting information out to the people, you know, trying to, uh, trying to, you know, yeah, just, yeah, just give information out to the people, but they also have to make money. Right. Because then they wouldn't exist. So it's like the survival of their own, you know, of their own company is the survival of their own business. And yeah, it would be, it would be great if we could just kind of formulate our own opinions and do that, but it wouldn't bring in the viewers and they need the viewers. It's 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 rough to say that, you know. You would like to believe that it's, these it's like the hard are, truth, honestly. Like right, it's, yeah. it's it is, and it's hard to you know you you don't want to believe that people are intentionally twisting stories or you know they're trying they should be impartial, but in the end that just doesn't bring people in, and that's that's you know, and when that you don't not having people in, you don't have the money. And if I don't have the money to do what I want to say, you know, then you know this organization. If you don't have the money to do what you want to say, you don't have the money to do what you want to do. So, I mean, and that, that's, it, it's obviously all these, you know, things that we say like, oh, why can't we just do this? Like, it, it's easier said than done, obviously, right. in a country that's been doing it for so long the way we have been doing it. Um, I'm sure we've made progress as a country, as a whole, um, from, you know, where we were, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, whatever. And... I don't think we'll ever reach that point of where like we only there's only one media source and only one this. I think it's only gonna get bigger. Um, that's just the right. way it is, you know. More money, more problems. It's a true, it's a true quote, Famous man. Laws, man. More money, more problems, and that's just the way, like we're. It's a prime. That's a prime example of what's happening in the U.S. Like we have that, and then there's just and like the whole like sale of guns and even all that stuff. Like we won't get into that, but it's just all like money like it's just money 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 like and obviously i like money you like money we all like money but to like to what extent or to what what is it going to take for this country to realize like hey maybe we should like 
you know, not worry about so much about the money and, you know, worry about, like, the Americans, you know? Well, like, I what mean, do you think? That, like, it can be... At that point, you're, you're looking at a... You would have to eliminate the human the human need for for wealth. So you're basically... You're looking at Star Trek and, like, communist utopia in the, um, in, in the long run. That would long, be the... Live long and prosper, brother. Right, live long and prosper. That's, like... That would be, like, the... <laughs> I guess the essential, I guess the pinnacle of civilization, where nobody wants, everybody has what they have, and you can you can in turn focus on the problems at hand. But since we live in a world with limited resources, we live in a world where um, if you don't have those resources, your survival's at stake. There's always going to be that that competition and that conflict, um, and. You know, it's rough to say, but I, like you said, I think we definitely made progress. Um, I believe that 100%. A lot of, if you just look um, at the, the achievements that we made in the past 20 years, and it's not, you know, social progress takes a long time. You know, we've gone through so many ages. We've gone through, like, you know, the nuclear age, the information age, you know, all, all these different ages in a very short amount of time, more than any other country in the history of the world has ever done. Mm-hmm. But yet, those same social problems still continue to exist because it just takes a while. It takes generations. It takes new thoughts, new ideas. You know how we how we educate our children, how we learn from history. That that'll always take the back. That'll always take the long road over technological advancements. But I still believe that we are always trying to fight the good fight, and I think there are good people out there that are trying to make those changes known. Um, what we got to be careful is, okay, you know, in making those changes, you know, are we doing it for our own personal gain? Are we doing it for the gain of all people or, you know, just for a specific group? And there's so many interest groups fighting for this or that, that sometimes it is just, you know, we could be, you could want environmental change and I could want, you know, um, some other, some other change. Right. And then we're fighting each other over funds when we're both doing good causes or something. And, you know, there's just not, you know, that that crazy, that conflict. But in the end, you know, we got to we got to really evaluate using the limited resources we have. What can we really change and be accepting that change is going to take a while and it's not solvable right away. And I think a lot of people, especially our generation now, when we want things, especially with media and stuff, we want it. We want it right away. Yeah, we can't really wait. And and, and I, I think. I think with that with that statement, obviously, it'll make things harder for us to change because once it doesn't change right away, we're just gonna be like, man, like, do we really need to change it? Like, I kind of like it this way, you know? Like, ah, like I'm already used to it. Like, that's, you know, like, uh, like an example, like, I don't know. Let's say you're you're on your your phone and you're like trying to look something up, and then you just you just give up. You're like, ah, never mind. Like, I don't need it that much. Like, you right. automatically turn your opinion on, and you automatically tell yourself like, nah, like I don't really need it or whatever. So obviously we could have that same mentality with change in, in this country especially since we're like this generation like we're the future of you know the united states and you know obviously our brothers and little brothers and sisters are there too and they're just they're worse than us honestly because they they grew up with um you know having the phones and tablets with them at their like disposal our generation like you know if you're like i think it's like 20 to 24 years old you grew up in like a weird time or if you're older obviously but like I think it's like if you're twenty years, yeah. If you're like twenty years old or like nineteen years old, you didn't grow up with like iPads and you know tablets and all that shit. Um, you still went outside and you know cut your knee up and made made friends and shit. It wasn't until like you were like seven, eight, or nine when it was like, oh okay, technology. But by then we already had like 
had an understanding of not technology, I guess. But obviously now we've integrated technology so much into our lives that we think the exact same way of I need the information just super fast. And so like, yeah, change, we need change and all that. But I highly, and this I'm not trying to diss, you know, obviously there's some people that will make, that will make changes and, you know, like you and stuff, but it's going to be really hard. Like, I don't see it happening, you know, anytime soon, obviously I don't see it happening with us because we don't, we aren't patient enough for that change to like happen. If that makes sense. Uh, I, I see your point. Um, what I think it really boils down to is that a lot of people, it, it doesn't, they don't care until it affects them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's really hard to be like, hey, I want you to care about gun control. But you're like, you know what, it doesn't affect me, it hasn't done this. Um, so, why, you know, why do I need to invest my energy, my time? You know, it, it, every individual is doing a cost-benefit analysis. And if I spend all my time doing this, where am, you know, what am I losing? because of that right. and if I if I come to myself to this cause you know where else am I taking a backseat and to the average individual they're just trying to live their daily lives they're trying to you know make their money go home um, you know have a little you know have a little good time you worry about their family whatever and, and you know to be honest like that's I want to say that's the majority of Americans yeah. you know very few people are going to be in you know investing all their time in to make these changes that they want and then convincing all the other people that they need to start making it is just it's just a battle in itself. So that's where I think only when there's substantial like um, like a substantial action or there's like an incident that affects all Americans' lives. That's when you know I think America still has the capacity to make that change. But big I, big events. I mean, we've seen so many like um, I can't say the word catastrophes. Yeah, there you Catastrophe. go. Um, we've seen so many already in the U.S. and like, I don't like what, what I'm thinking is like, how bad is it going to have to get? Like how bad shit crazy is it going to have to get for us to like make a change? And all of us realize like, I'm going to be honest, like I'm, I'm guilty of like, oh, like it doesn't really affect me. So like, I'm not really going to care, you know, like not that I'm going to care, but there's nothing I can do really, if that makes sense. Like I'm guilty of it. And I'm sure everyone has at one point in their life been guilty of that. Um, there's a lot of issues in America, so we really can't, you know, try to care for everything. Like that's, uh, like you said, like we're just trying to worry about our day to day and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, people like you, you want to be president and shit, you got to worry about all this. So good luck to you. But no, like so much crazy shit has already happened in the U.S. And I'm just wondering, like, like what what is it really going to take for us to, you know, I guess come together. Like, I don't want to sound all, you know, cliche and kumbaya, but seriously, like, what is it? I, obviously, you don't know either. No one knows, but we won't know until we know, you know, and that's. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think what it really comes down to is what, what's the end state? What do we want to see? Do we want to see, you know, everyone's disagreeing on that end state. What should be done? And that's where, that's where change gets pushed down the line because, you know, say, for instance, you know, we've seen a bunch of mass shootings, you know, our hometown is affected by one. Um, it's like at that point, it's like, oh, well, you know, how many people, more people have to die for us to have gun control? Um, you know, but then some people on the other hand are like, hey, I, you know, guns are my part of life. It's part of my identity. It's things like that, you know, so there's no consensus on, you know, we, I think there's a consensus on this is sad and people are dying. Right. You know, but it, it gets down to those those details. But see, I and, mean, the thing with, like, the shootings, though, is that 
I, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's the truth. Like we're not that we're, I mean, we're, we're desensitized to them, honestly, at this point, like obviously the one that happened in El Paso, that, that one hurt all of us. Cause that's our hometown and you never expect it to happen in your hometown. Yeah. But just a week later, it happened, or like, I think it was like a night later or something like that. It happened in Daytona and, and Dayton, Dayton, and Dayton oh, yeah. yeah. And like you, you hear about it and you hear about all these shootings and you hear about, you know, all these tragedies and you're just like, damn. And then you continue on with your daily life. And yeah. I mean, it's sad to think about when you say it like that, like, damn, like you feel like an asshole, like shit, bro. But that's just the reality of it. And that's why I'm saying, like, what is it going to really take? Like, like, I don't know. Yes. Obviously, like when nine eleven happened, like, you know, this country came together for a little bit, I think. But I don't want that to happen again. You know, like, I don't want. Yeah, but I don't know. No, no, I agree. There's, there's been instances where we have come together as a nation. Because, uh, like I said, I think everybody's lives were affected in some short, so some sort of fashion. Right. Um, you know, when a mass shooting happens across the country, it doesn't really affect you until it does. You know, like El Paso, like when those mass shootings happen, like damn, like, like it really sucked. You know, uh, but it brought that city Austin. together, though. Like, yeah, and you see, you definitely see, and I think everybody was started for for once. We all put down our personal lives. You know, and when I was, um, I remember th- on the day it happened, uh, when I went to the police station, you seen a bunch of people bringing waters, ice chests, just truckloads. I want to say El Paso probably ran out of bottled water that day yeah. in the stores because everybody was coming in. We all dropped what we were doing and we, we decided to help out. And, you know, and that that, can, that shows that Americans, you know, we still have the compassion that, you know, people still care about, about you know, us. And I think it speaks a lot to the community. Um, you know, not all communities are going to be like that, but I think, I think the majority of them, um, or 99% of them are going to, you know, when something like that happens and everyone's lives are affected, then I think they're going to, they're going to pull together. Um, like, like you said, I can't answer whether what's going to, what it's going to take to do this, you know, are we going to have, do we need to be massively attacked by an an enemy? Do we need to have a, a plague or something where people come, you know, it'll, it'll come together, but. You know, it's it's hard to tell, and until it happens, we won't know until it happens, yeah. and that's that, that's like almost the reality of things. Now, do you think? I mean, with this whole, I mean, the the one way, like what, like you said, an attack on this country, but I mean, if you think about it, like this is kind of like deep, I guess, but we're already facing an attack on this country, on this whole world, honestly, with the whole climate change and global warming and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a lot of people advocating, you know. That there needs to be change, and do you think, like, if something happens because of global warming and, I mean, stuff's already happening, but do you think if something catastrophic were to happen because of it, like, obviously that would bring us together, right? Like, it'd be our last days together, but it'd be like, hey, man, sorry for hating you so much, you know? Um, potentially, um, I think, I think humans are very resilient, and even if we, there's something that catastrophic in nature, I think there will be those people who continue to fight the good fight and try to try to find the solution. I think humans have a very, very good capacity for surviving. And maybe not all of us, but I think humanity will continue to, to live on. And when it's like this, like, you know, the issue of, of, of climate change and things like that, things that affect everybody. Um, you know, there, like you still see there's countries that disagree on stuff. There's um, different entities that you know want this or that and that's going to continue um it's a you know there there is a consensus that 
things have changed things are changing but is Matt how much is human error and how much is natural and that's what the disagreement is there's no disagreement on hey we're facing changes it's a matter of what's causing those changes and you know in the end we might get to the same the same point you know whether it be human or, or natural um the pro- uh, problems um you know we could still find the same or at the same place but i think humans are really resilient um in times where we need to come together, I think the world has come together. Um, so I, you know, I wouldn't count humanity out. Not not just yet, but you know, it takes that takes that crisis sometimes to really bring us together. Yeah. Well, I hope I'm not alive when that crisis happens. If I'm being honest, uh, I probably <laughs> will be. Though I mean, I feel like I don't know if something's gonna happen. I'm not saying it's gonna happen soon, but you know, if it happens, it happens. Not much, you know. Little old me, little tuba player over here at UNT can do. Uh, you you can obviously do more than you know. But uh, right, we all we all play our part. Yeah, I guess whatever. I'll I'll play. I'll play in the band or something. Entertainment. <laughs> but uh, all right. Final question of the night. We've been talking for quite a while. My brain hurts, but I have a huge headache. I've had a headache all day. You know, it's one of those one of those days. But this is a this is a you asking you. Do you believe that the moon landing was real? Ba- ba- based on like all the all the knowledge and history and stuff like that because i do i do i believe in it but i don't know all the history behind it and i do but not like all the history if you know what i mean and but you, right yeah so. um yes no i absolutely believe that the moon landing was real um i think just think of the technical advances that came out of it just the the technologies that we have today because of the moon program um yeah, people like to claim that there's like all this propaganda and, you know, the United States did it to, you know, beat the Soviets uh, on this propaganda scale. But no, the moon landing was, I would believe, was 100% real. Look at NASA today. Even though we're not going to the moon, we're still doing wondrous things, discovering new galaxies, doing all these all these things. And I don't believe the scientific community would, would allow itself to, to be silenced if it wasn't real. I think it was a real sh- true sh- um, showing of what America could do. And what we could do as humanity when we put our minds together. Yeah, that was plus better. I'm a, plus, I'm a Kennedy fanatic, so. Yeah. Okay, since yeah, since you love JFK, do you believe that he was set up? Like, do you believe the government killed him? Um. Or like, what, I would like, like to, I, I would like to think not, but <laughs> um, if you there's there's some instances where you know it gets very suspicious. Like, um, for the, those of you listeners, I would say look up Operation Northwoods. Um, just as one example, Operation Northwoods was a plan by the Joint Chiefs of Staff to create false flag attacks on Americans, basically kill Americans to in order to initiate a war with Cuba. And President Kennedy beat her that, you know, he said, are you guys crazy? So during this time of like chaos and you know, trying to beat the Soviets and things, when a president didn't, you know, necessarily fully align, because there are different, different actors at stake and different interests, you know, the military has an interest, the, you know, Department of State has an interest. The presidency has an interest in all these in all these conflicts, you know. I like to think that, but I think there's the case can be made that he, he was set up, um, and I re- I really hope that it wasn't. But <laughs> but there is there there is there is evidence, and if you look at some of his speeches, and if you look at the the way he was committed to to certain things, it, it was dangerous for some people. This new changes, these you know, he's, he was initiating the civil rights thing. He was doing all all these different all these things, and there was a lot of change in a short amount of time. 
or you know and he had he, he was very well liked by the American people you know we get a, a charismatic president that can produce change and when people aren't ready to change you know it creates conflict and so do I think he was set up I like to think that but there's very damn well for those of you who, who don't really know Nathaniel that well, this guy, like, is the biggest JFK, you know, fanatic I know. This dude listens to his speeches, um, you know, on, he has them all on Spotify. Uh, he listens, sure. to, he has them, some of them memorized, I'm sure. Uh, I'm not going to ask him to recite them right now, because, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like there's some like, copyright issues there or some shit, but, uh, yeah, man, I mean, damn, that was... We talked for like 47 minutes. Yeah, it was a good session. It didn't even feel I, like it, to be honest. I mean, I appreciate you having me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And express some, some views and just, yeah, just, just talking one-on-one. It was a good experience. Yeah, and, and I mean, just a reminder for everyone listening, like, you know, our views obviously might not be the same as yours and what we said. You might not agree with. That's fine. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Like I said on a podcast, I think it was like two podcasts ago, if we all just learn to understand, you know, where we're coming from and, you know, why we're saying what we're saying uh we'd be we'd be much in a better we'd be in a much better place so if you have anything you know like you know what eddie or nathaniel i didn't really agree with what you said here go ahead and shoot me you know a message and let me know why you know don't be don't be mean but uh yeah i'd appreciate it um i've received a couple comments here and there uh, so i appreciate it i uh, appreciate all the love and support for this keeping a g podcast uh, i'm doing this just for you know just for fun and i'm having a lot of fun doing it uh, especially when I bring people on like Nathaniel, who really knows what he's talking about. Um, yeah, man, this guy, this guy's gonna be the future president. I'm calling it. Let's see, brother. I gotta get, the, I gotta graduate this place first. So. Ah, you, yeah, it's West Point, so you got it, you got it. All right, man. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. No, thank you for having me on. It was, it was, it was a pleasure.